0: Trey, thank you for joining us for another Thursday edition. It's uh, kind of hard to believe how fast time goes. I feel like I just was saying that like a couple hours ago, but I guess it was a week ago. Uh, Particularly the less time you have, the quicker it seems to be going by. But uh, in any event, uh that little bit of philosophy aside uh it's Thursday, which means it's the day we get a chance to entertain your questions, and for that, I need the help of Miss Mary Langston.
1: Hey, Trey. How's it going?
0: Uh, it's going great. How about with yourself?
1: Doing great, Thank you. thanks for having me.
0: Uh, you're welcome there <laughs> I really never entered my mind to have anybody else but but you're you're welcome.
1: Well, do you have any good sports news for us? Anything positive?
0: Uh, you know what? I, that's a great thing about college football is um, people can be euphoric uh, one week and very sad the next. And
1: that's true. My
0: happiness at the way the South Carolina-Texas A&M game came out, turned out, also resulted in sadness for people to pull for Texas A&M. So mm-hmm. Happy news. Yes. Uh, Baylor, South Carolina and Dallas all one. Um, mm-hmm. But the euphoria lasts for a moment of second, a matter of seconds. And now it's on to what awaits next week It, it in the final analysis. Not that you ask. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'll let you go ahead and nod off for a little while. And then you wake up in about 30 minutes. <laughs> Only one team's fans wind up happy at the end of the year. There, there's only one one team that had that doesn't lose its final game. That's any good. So uh, you got to keep that in perspective. Uh, I'm just glad we have a chance to watch it. Remember during the pandemic, I mean, it seemed like sports was shut down. It did. Wow! All right. Well, there, I'll bet you'll never ask that question again.
1: (laughs) We will ask that question again. Thank you, Trey. I do guess we better get started. We have a lot of great questions. We appreciate you all for sending us your thoughts, your questions. So keep sending them our way. We'll start with our first question. And it's from Michael in North Carolina. He writes, why can't the judicial system move faster on the enactment of death penalty sentences when they are imposed by judges following jury convictions? Is 20 to 30 years for appeals to be exhausted reasonable?
0: Oh, Michael, Michael, Michael. Um, I'm going to try to answer this question fairly. Um, Mm -hmm. I really am going to try. Although, obviously, I have a perspective. Actually, you might be surprised at my perspective. We'll just start with this. I mean, the reality is, uh, and I tell folks who ask me about the death penalty literally every person I prosecuted who's currently on death row will outlive me. Mm-hmm. So you just got to know that going into it. So, I mean, why do we have the death penalty? Let's just start right there. Why do we have it? Um, the death penalty only applies in, in murder cases. I'm talking about South Carolina, but, but, but honestly, Uh, The Supreme Court has said you have to take a life, uh, with the exception maybe of treason, you have to take a life for the death penalty to be an option. In South Carolina, it's not even just murder. I mean, murder is bad enough, but it has to be murder plus something. And, of course, murder is the unlawful killing of another with malice aforethought. So that's bad. We don't have first and second degree murder in South Carolina. So there's no like premeditation, malice aforethought. Malice is you know, evil intent, a wicked heart, depravity. It can arise in an instant. So you don't have to sit there for weeks and weeks and weeks and plot. That is premeditation. It's not required. Murder is just an unlawful killing with malice aforethought. But murder alone is not enough to get the death penalty in South Carolina. There has to be something else. We call them aggravating circumstances. And an aggravating circumstances, circumstance is anything that makes it worse. So murder is already pretty bad. What could make murder worse? Uh, The killing of a child, the killing of a law enforcement officer or a judge, a killing during the commission of another crime. And all of these things are set out in the law. So they're what, like a dozen aggravating circumstances in South Carolina. So it has to be murder plus. And then when you think about death penalty trials, um, this question asked imposed by judges. Technically, the sentence is imposed by judge. Technically, that is correct. In reality, it's always a jury. The jury decides whether or not people get sentenced to death or not. And the jury has to be unanimous twice. It has to be 12 people beyond a reasonable doubt that believe the person did it. And it has to be 12 people beyond a reasonable doubt that think death is the appropriate sentence. I mean, think about the death penalty case down in Florida recently, the Parkland shooting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, quite honestly, (laughs) if that guy doesn't deserve death, then you might as well just do away with the death penalty. But all 12 voted. Well, I think he pled guilty. So he pled guilty. But let's assume he went to trial. All 12 voted guilty. And eleven out of twelve thought death was the right sentence, but one out of 12, one out of twelve said, "No, we think life and life without possibility of parole is a better sentence." Um, what I don't know is whether or not that juror was honest. When I mean, you can't serve on a death penalty case if you can't give death, mm-hmm. and you can't serve on a death penalty case if you would always give death. I mean, if there's anyone left who thinks an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you take a life, you lose a life, you can't serve on a death penalty jury. You have to be able to do both or either one, depending on the circumstances. So it's a long way to get to where I'm headed, but it is. So what can prosecutors do better? They can pick cases better. You don't need to pick um A case that technically qualifies for the death penalty, but has no jury appeal. You just you don't need to pick that case. So prosecutors need to do a better job of figuring out who the worst of the worst really are. And you hear people talk about that. That's not what the statute says. That's not the requirement that it be the worst of the worst. But it should be that that should be who we are seeking society's ultimate punishment for the the worst of the worst so 30 years to me is unreasonable by any standard in which to carry out a sentence so i want the appeal to be thorough but but even there I mean, let's stop for a second i mean when people think of appeal if all you do is read like the mainstream media you think that all of these death penalty cases that are ultimately reversed, are reversed because of prosecutorial misconduct. Mm. Uh, That ain't the case. (laughs) The prosecutor has to do right. That's clear. Of course, he or she does. But the cases that I've seen, the best way to get a death penalty conviction reversed is because the defense attorney messed up, not because the prosecutor did, not because the prosecutor tried to take shortcuts or do something he or she wasn't supposed to do or play fast and loose with the rules. It's because a daggum defense attorney fell asleep during the trial or the defense attorney wasn't prepared or the defense attorney didn't prep the witness correctly. So to get To get a death penalty case that survives appeal, the prosecutor has to be pretty close to perfect, the defense attorney has to be pretty close to perfect, and the judge has to be pretty close to perfect. I had a case where the judge charged the law exactly as it was at the time. The judge did exactly what he was supposed to do in this capital trial. And then the appellate courts changed the law. So, of course, he didn't say, what the appellate courts now think he had to say because that was not the law at the time. Mm -hmm. So that goes down as a reversal because they reversed the death sentence because they changed their mind on what judges should say to the jury at the end. I mean, does that mean somebody like committed fraud or withheld evidence? Of course not. Everyone did exactly what they were supposed to do. And then You know, five or seven or nine justices sitting on some appellate court decide that things should be done differently in the past. So there really is no argument that 30 years is like the right time to carry out a sentence or 20 years. So, what makes the most amount of sense is to pick the right cases on the front end, the cases with overwhelming evidence of guilt. You're never going to have overwhelming evidence. That death is the only appropriate sentence. It's just, people just disagree on that kind of stuff, but you can have overwhelming evidence of guilt, and by that I mean forensic evidence, scientific evidence, a DNA. I'm not talking about eyewitnesses. I, that's not really overwhelming evidence. Scientific evidence, blood, or DNA, or semen, or something that makes the jury conclude. Uh, we got the right person now the only question is what's the right sentence mm-hmm. so do a better job picking them on the front end number two you're going to have appeals they're automatic appeals we ought to have appeals we should never execute the wrong person ever mm-hmm. period now how long does it take to make sure that you got the right person and that all of his or her right i say her n- no female men of- I don't even know if there's a woman on death row in South Carolina. So him, make sure all of his rights are protected. But I would have the appeal go to the front of the shortest line. So there's an automatic appeal that goes to the South Carolina Supreme Court. I wouldn't wait a year and a half or two years. It goes to the top of the line. And then it's got to go through the federal system on some habeas petition or uh, whatever they want to call it now, that goes to the to the front of the line. So, yes, have all the appeals you want. I don't ever, ever, ever want to make a mistake. Never want to make a mistake on this. There is no appeal if you carry out the destinies on the wrong person. There is no appeal. Mm. That said, uh, it should not take 30 years to figure out, and again, almost. Almost never this day and age is it, oh, my gosh, we got the wrong person. That's not what it is. It's somebody in the system made a mistake. Defense attorney, judge, prosecutor. And that's why you have the distinction between actual guilt and legal guilt or actual innocence and legal innocence. Actual innocence is I didn't do it. I really didn't do it. You got the wrong person. Legal innocence is, yeah, I did it. But my lawyer fell asleep while somebody was testifying and didn't do a good job of cross-examining it, so it's reversed. It doesn't mean you got the wrong person. It just means it wasn't done right. So that's a long, long, long way of answering, yes, 20 to 30 years is way too long for appeals to be exhausted. It's not fair to the family. It's not fair to the public. It's not fair to the cops. I mean, what are you going to do after 30 years if it is reversed? Because some defense attorney fell asleep or showed up drunk. What are you going to do then? You're going to go like resurrect the cops who died 10 years ago because it took 30 years to get the thing resolved? How about witnesses? I mean, you think anybody's memory is better 30 years later? Mm -hmm. So here's the reality. Uh, People who are opposed to the death penalty. And look, I got a ton of friends that are opposed to it. I have no problem whatsoever if people have objections to the death penalty. I mean, you can't serve on the jury, but I don't don't care what people's religious or moral beliefs are. But if you're going to have it, do not make it such that your strategy is simply to run out the clock. I mean, if you if you really can tell me that Dylan Roof is unworthy of society's ultimate punishment for for murdering nine black Christians in a Charleston church, if you really think life in prison is right for him, uh, then we fundamentally disagree. But it should not take thirty years. I mean, there's it's not, it's not like there's some great mystery as to whether or not Dylan Roof did it or not. He did it. He did it. So the question is, what's the proper punishment? And 30 years is an absurd amount of time to carry out a punishment for the right person and the right crime.
1: Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Michael, for your question. Sure Our, Michael will
0: never ask that question again.
1: I feel like we were in a college class. That was wonderful. Thank you, Trey.
0: He, he, I'm sure he wishes he had that question. <laughs> and the moral of the story is a lot of times we can't take questions back. They're just Mm. out there.
1: Mm. I like how you split it up, though. That was a great way to answer it because I was wondering how you would answer it. So that was great. Thank you, Trey. Um, Our next question is from Mary Lee in Georgia. She writes, my question is on the government, Democrats or Republicans who want to do away with Social Security and Medicare.
0: Well, Mary Lee, I want to put your mind at ease. I don't hear... Uh, I don't hear any Democrats that want to do away with Medicare or Social Security. And I really don't hear many conservatives anymore. And again, those that did want to, quote, do away with it, you you have to ask yourself, why did they want to? Well, your rate of return is not great on Social Security. I mean, the the government is kind of putting that money aside for you, but your rate of return is pretty poor. So I think what some Republicans would say is, why don't we give people the right to invest that money themselves? And it kind of goes back to what's the role of government and what's the role of the individual. Um, but I, I really don't hear that argument being made anymore. I do hear, you know, look, Medicare is a financially out of whack. Uh, and that's not a legal term. Um, what I mean by that is you will, on average, draw out more in Medicare expenditures than you pay in. So it's a net deficit. Social Security, less so. But Medicare is a net deficit. So I think what some people's ideas uh, would be, which is if you are a person who can afford to do so, um, don't use Medicare. Um, Pay for it yourself. Um, If you're... You know, if you've been blessed financially, if you have plenty of money, why do you why do you need government health care? I do. I do hear that argument some, which is kind of a means test for these um, social programs. I even know some I got one friend in particular right now, very successful in business, uh, doesn't want Social Security, would rather donate his Social Security money back to the system to make it more solvent for others i you know i think that horse has left the barn i don't hear i hear a lot of campaign ads about people wanting to destroy social security or medicare but that's just people trying to scare people i don't know of any republicans that want to rip the rug out from under seniors or people who are close to retirement age. I mean, it, it's a promise. And it, sometimes you wish you hadn't made a promise, but you got to keep it anyway, even if you wish you hadn't made it. What I do hear is would you be willing to work later to make Social Security solvent for future generations? Would you be willing to work six months more? Would you be willing to work 12 months more? Would you be willing to say, if you are financially able to do so, pay for your own or pay more for your? health insurance so medicare is more financially out of balance than social security is uh on average i don't have the numbers in front of me but it's on average you are going to receive more benefits via medicare than what you paid in so it it's a, it's a net individual deficit um how do we fix that uh there are a couple of ways um be more Judicious and I think it's most of these expenditures are in the last 12 months of life, you know, be, um, well, it gets dicey when you start talking about making, you know, the right decisions. If, you know, if I have six months left to live, I'll just tell you right now, you don't have to spend any money on me. Just make sure there are batteries in my remote control mm-hmm. and prop me up in front of ESPN mm-hmm. and I'll be fine. But that gets into moral and religious and and other kinds of arguments, so we'll just stay away from all of because somebody's mind ever has changed. Mm. No one about nobody wants to do away with social security and Medicare I don't care what ads you hear i it just I don't know a soul that wants to do that. There are different ideas on how to make it more financially stable going forward, and you should hear those out and if you have been um, blessed financially. If you are uh, well off and you are willing to do more than what you are asked to do to make it solvent for your kids and grandkids, I think that should be an option.
1: Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Mary Lee. I hope that brings you some peace. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back
0: from the fox news podcasts network stay on top of the latest news and information from fox news listen and download the fox news hourly update on your time the trending stories you need anytime you want it listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: our next question is from andrea in florida she writes will there be a book signing for trey's new book will he be in multiple cities this year also will he be doing other speeches
0: uh y- yes, there will be book signing events. Um I, I have a fanta- fantastic publisher. Uh Penguin Random House makes all those decisions for me in terms of where they want me to be. Um I will say this, not that she asked, but I think it is implicit in her question. Mm-hmm. I really think you like the book. I mean, I didn't write it for me. I wrote it I wrote it for other people. It's a book about how to make the best decisions for life, starting with um, how do we define success? Who do we let define success in our lives? I mean, what role do we play in defining what we think a successful or significant life is? And then you think about all the decisions that you make, where to live, what to do, what to major in, who to share life with, who to live with, who to marry who who to have as business partners. Uh, life consists of lots of things, but it does consist of decisions that we make. So I would think that we would want to be the very, very, very best we can possibly be at making decisions. And I've made some good ones. I've made some uh, not so good ones. I've made some not so good ones that I would probably make all over again. Mm-hmm. So, I I wanted to write a book to equip people to do what I used to do in the courtroom, which is look at the very end. And what do you see? What do you want to see at the very end? Who do you want in that photograph? What do you want to be said about you? What do you want people to remember? And then are we making decisions that get us toward that final image? And if we're not, how can we? How can we start making Really, really good decisions. Uh, I was just in Florida, in Orlando last week. I love public speaking. It's one of my favorite things in the world to do uh, because it reminds me of the courtroom. I know a lot of people or some people don't like public speaking. I'm not one of them. I love it. So I I hope that I am in some cities. Well, I know. I mean, I'm going to Delaware this week. I, 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 I do speak, but I speak mainly for groups that invite me to come speak in terms of the book. I know I'll be on TV. I know um, you know, it comes out in January. I mean, you can order it now if you want to, but it comes out in January. Um, I hope I get to do events because they're fun and people get to ask questions just like we're doing on this podcast. People get to ask questions. Mm. So I hope so. I hope, I hope I get to whatever city you are closest to. Uh, but even if I don't, I'll be right here on this podcast. I'll be right uh, here on television on Sunday nights until Fox says, what have we done? What have we done? We got to get that knucklehead off air. Nobody understands his accent. (laughs) And then in any event, you'll still have the books. Mm -hmm. So I think you will, this book will make you laugh. It will make you think, but more importantly than both of those, it will make you evaluate how you can make the very best decisions to get you where you want to be in life. And so for that reason, um, if it was up to me, I would have written a book on crime draw, psychological crime thriller. But Mm. I want to write a book for you, how you can get to whatever that closing argument, that final picture that you imagine in your mind, how you can get there.
1: Well thank you Trey we'll be looking forward to that and we will be posting things on social media so be on the lookout Andrea for those as well. Um our last question is from Tammy in Kentucky. She writes if you could go back in time to one grade school year what would it be and why? So this is kind of a decision making question.
0: It is a decision making question Mary Langston but it is also fraught with so many other side issues. If you could go back, I mean, it'd be great if we could go back in life and make, you know, one decision differently or say something we didn't say or take back something that we did say. It'd be great if we could do that. But unfortunately, if I were to go back in time and redo a a grade year, it actually changes everything. Mm. And you never, I mean... I can't go back and study more in the ninth grade. I can't, I can't, because that also, I might make a decision that puts me at the wrong four way stop at the wrong time. And I never make it to the 10th grade. Mm -hmm. We just, I, I, I mean, two of my favorites, I love Deja Vu, which is a movie kind of about going back and making things right. And then there's a mini series called Outlander, which I think is, you know, fascinating, mm-hmm. which is also about time travel. I never really thought I'd be into time travel, and I'm not into time travel. I'm just That's not a genre that I'm really fascinated by. However, I am fascinated by decision-making and how decisions impact other areas of life. So she asked a pretty simple question, which I have managed to mangle. Mm-hmm. Would I go back? Um, I would go back to the beginning of high school. So I could study like I now know that I should have studied. I didn't know it at the time. I would go back for that reason. It wouldn't be for social reasons. Um, If I were as good at golf now as I was not good at it back then, I mean, now I would go, I would try out for the Spartan High Golf team, although there were lots of really good players back then. I still think I might could have made it. Mm-hmm. So I would have liked to have done that but mainly I would have liked to have studied more and prioritized that, but you, you can't just single that out because if I'd studied more then maybe I wouldn't have taken one of those afternoon jobs and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have met people that I still know to this day. And I wouldn't have, and maybe I would have said, well, you know what? I got to go study abroad this summer. And I wouldn't have gone on the choir tour where I met my now wife. So you, you can't, Every decision we make or want to go back and redo has the potential to influence something else. If I could just duck in and duck out, I would duck in to high school and read the stuff I was supposed to read back then, and I would not view school as something to be endured. I would have viewed school as, as the pathway to knowledge. If I could go back and do it again, it'd probably be the ninth grade just because that's the beginning of high school. But but that one decision, who knows? Who knows what else would have been impacted if I did go back and do that? You just. You don't know, it's hard to it's hard to change this without there being a ripple effect that also changes other things. So when you look at your life now. If you like your life now, if you like the people in it, if you like where you are, then you are very reluctant to want to go back and take a chance on changing any of that. If you don't like where you are now, if you don't like who you're sharing life with, you're probably more willing to say, I'd like to go back in time and do X. And I like where I am. So I'll put up with the bad GPA in high school um to you know to live with terry it's the way i look is the way i look at it
1: that's really sweet trey well thank you so much for answering all those questions and thank you everyone for sending us your questions and your thoughts
0: yeah um i i managed to take what were pretty simple questions and <laughs> uh and and just kind of ruined them in my own mind
1: <laughs> but not at all not at all
0: It does speak to me about the complexity of some of these issues and, Mm. um, you know, from the death penalty to me wishing I had read Billy Budd when I was supposed to read it so I didn't have to read (laughs) it later in life. Mm -hmm. But as long as we're thinking, we're making progress, and these questions make me think, so keep them coming. And I'm going to continue my fruitless uh, pursuit of answering them in a pithier way.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. And you'll have a great week.
0: All right, Mary Langston, you take care of yourself. And I would tell you, I want all your teams to win, but you want everybody (laughs) to win. So, which is impossible, by the way. So It is
1: impossible. And you're right. Everyone, there's always one side that is not happy.
0: But we're going to hope for the best. (laughs) And then you could say, well, I want them all to tie. But then literally everyone would be unhappy. That's true. So now you have a decision to make. Do you want half the world to be happy and half to be unhappy? Or do you want the entirety of the world to be unsatisfied because it was a tie?
1: (laughs) That is a very good question. Or maybe it can just be even. Like Everybody can have a certain winning score and a certain losing score, and it can just be even. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so everybody has a six and six record when it comes exactly. to college football and then nobody, <laughs> nobody gets to go to a good bowl game. That's what you are Right.
1: Want. Anybody who loves sports would shake their head at that. But yes.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> well, count me out of that. I want because John Rackle pulls for Notre Dame. I want mm-hmm. him to be 0-12.
1: And it was his birthday just the other day. Oh,
0: how I know, I know. No one celebrates his birthday more gleefully <laughs> than John Ratcliffe. But usually, you wait for other people to tell you happy birthday. You don't send out a self congratulatory birthday text. But but he's 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 different. So, <laughs> all righty, you take care of yourself. We'll see you next week.
1: Sounds great. Have a good week, y'all.